What is up, people? My name is James Blissett, professional gambler and founder of Lucrative MMA, which is my handicapping service where I help people make money from betting on MMA. And it's been a long time I've been away from YouTube. I haven't been on here in about a couple of weeks at least. I think the last time I came on here, I did a uh, main event breakdown of one of the fights. I can't remember what it was. But it's been a while since I've been on YouTube. You know, I've been grinding away, uh, building some other projects, been gambling every single week, obviously. And we've been doing really well. Shout out to everybody in the chat. You know, I see Des Files saying smashing the bookies this year. Rob, but we absolutely are. Shout out to you. Yeah, we have been. We've been smashing the bookies this year. And it's funny because I have been more quiet on YouTube this year than I have anywhere else. I'm actually more active on Instagram because I've been growing that uh, on my lucrative MMA Instagram. So if you haven't followed me on there, I do exclusive content on there every single week, every single day, actually. So definitely follow me on there. But I've been more quiet than I've ever been on YouTube in terms of the videos and the breakdowns and stuff. But I've been having my best year yet gambling. So I'm not sure if they're correlated at all. I don't think they are. But it's just been a very good year for us so far. At the moment, we're up about, let me have a look right now. I've got a bit, bit of made up tips. Yeah, so we're up 87 units. Um, and that is, yeah, 87 units. And that's after the first six months of the year. So I've actually never been up this many units at this point in the year since I started. And this is the ROI is 10%. So I've got double digit ROI. And 87 units won. So I'm actually in the best position I've ever been in in terms of gambling. I've won a hell of a lot of money this year, like a lot of money this year. So, yeah, I'm just going to continue grinding. And apologies, I haven't been that active on YouTube. I am looking to make a little bit of a comeback, start making more videos on YouTube as I was doing previously, you know, a few years ago and the last few years. So you can definitely be, you can definitely be looking forward to that because I am going to come back and be more more consistent. And today I want to, I haven't taped all the upcoming cards, so I'm not going to speak about the upcoming card. I will speak about it a little bit. My early thoughts on some lines, my early thoughts on some fights that I've done some tape for, and I have taped a couple of fights that maybe we can speak and I'll be answering questions as well. So if you've got any questions, hit me up in the chat and I'll definitely be answered. But I did want to just do a little recap on the card that we just had because Taporia showed out against Josh Emmett. I'm going to bring it up on screen now. So Scam the Books is saying, what's up, what's up? We scam the books every single week almost. Cabin Service, what's up? How about Barber and the Under? Yeah, man. That's exactly what we spoke about. We spoke about this in the DM. I said Barber's the side, the Under's the side. I passed on both, and they both won. But that's what happens, man. Like, like To be honest, last week was insane because everything I passed on that I was close to betting, it won. So. Let's just have a look at the, the card and I'm going to bring it up and you'll I'll literally go through everything I passed on. That one. It was such an annoying card. Yeah, so I'll just zoom in a little bit here. So first better than I had Cedric Dumas. Cedric Dumas was like plus 165, I think I got him at. So yeah, good bet there. But I also had the, the under and obviously that didn't cash. Jack Jenkins, I'll speak to that in a minute, but let's just go over the fight. So Chepe Mariscore, almost bet him, this close to betting him. The reason I didn't was because I missed the line, right? So I didn't want to, like, I, I felt like I maybe had missed the market, right? So Chepe was at plus 150 when I wanted to bet him. Then he went plus 120. Then he went even money. And I was like, at even money, I'm not interested, even though I do see some value. So I passed on him, which was stupid. That was obviously, um, you know, I mean, he, he cleanly won that fight. I was asleep. So I don't know how this fight goes, but I was asleep. I heard he kind of won cleanly. But I also had the under, which didn't cash. What else did we get? Joshua Van. So I really wasn't going to bet this, but the only bet that I was looking at was Joshua Van by points here. But to be honest, I wasn't going to bet it, but that was the only bet that I was looking at. So that cashed again. And then we had Brendan Allen. So I was going to bet Brendan Allen and Brendan Allen by submission. Kind of annoying there. David Onama fight, I bet the under there. Macy Barber, I was going to bet Macy. And um, not only was I was was I going to bet Macy, but I was going to bet the under. I, I was heavily, heavily leaning to those two. I didn't bet either. 
And then the Ilya Tapori versus Josh Emmett fight, I was this close to betting up over 1.5 rounds. Obviously, that cashed easily. I actually put a large wager on fight starts round two. I did that before the fight. It was minus 125. It was absolutely insane line or minus 128. Um, and I actually put that out as a free pick on my Telegram channel. So if you haven't joined my Telegram channel, I post free bets there every now and then. I post a lot of game in there. So I'll try and get the link now and I'll share it in the chat because basically you can just copy this link into your browser or into your phone. That's my free Telegram channel. I literally gave out Taporia fight starts round two um, at minus 128 or something right before the fight. So I was able to win some back there, but it was just one of those, it's just one of those cards where everything you want to bet, you end up passing on. And then it wins, right? But it doesn't happen every single week. But every now and then you get a card where like all of your leans, all of the bets you were this close to betting win. It is what it is. We move. Pro MMA fans are saying, have you read any good books in the last couple of years that have helped with your gambling? Not really. I mean, I know a few good books from gambling. I've read them, but I read them years ago, not the last couple of years. I do have a few different books in gambling. I can definitely recommend a few. The Signal and the Noise is a decent book, so you can read that. Fightnomics is a good book for MMA gambling. It just gives a background of the stats behind MMA fights, how they finish, why they finish, who wins if they're fighting with a reach advantage or with a size advantage, stuff like that. Those two are definitely definitely decent books to do with gambling. Jake Greenberg is saying, Tapori is the fucking truth. Unreal game plan on Saturday. Him versus Volk is the best fight in MMA right now. Yeah, man. What a card. I'm, I'm, we can speak about it right now, right? Ilya Tapori, complete domination over Josh Emmett. One of the only 10 sevens I've ever seen in MMA. And not only that, the only time I've ever seen a fight scored 50-42. So he smashed him badly. You know, Tapori, he did everything right in that Emmett fight. You know, I... I like, like you said, it was a perfect game plan. I couldn't have thought of a better game plan than what Taporia did in that fight. He was he stepped on the gas when he needed to. He let off the gas when he needed to. He tried to finish Emmett multiple times. You know, he, he bursted into range. He hurt Emmett. He pressured him. But Emmett was too tough. When he realized that, all right, I'm not getting Emmett out of here right now, he kind of just leaned off the gas a little bit got his breath. I mean, the game plan was perfect, perfect, you know, and people will say that, no, the game plan wasn't perfect because he, he swung in the pocket with Josh Emmett. He didn't really swing in the pocket, you know, usually he walks forward and he's way more reckless than he was. He was actually a lot smarter in boxing range than he usually is. So I kind of think it's akin to the Ryan Hall fight where we saw that he was very patient in that Ryan Hall fight, you know, Ryan Hall just flopped to his back he didn't follow him into guard. He was very smart, calm, and patient. It was the same in an Emmett fight, but just with a different dynamic. Like, he was smart and patient on the feet, in my opinion. And he fought completely differently. Not completely differently, but he definitely fought slightly differently to his usual reckless running into the pocket, throwing big bombs. And the reason is because he understands Josh Emmett's power. And he understands Josh Emmett's toughness. And he didn't just want to go in there and have a swinging match with him. So I believe that he had the best game plan ever. I mean, he 50-42'd he him. You know, people will say that I oh, should have grappled. It would have been a better game plan. Who's to say he wouldn't have got tired, tired from grappling? You know, he grappled the fuck out of Yusuf Salah and got very tired in that third round. Yes, it was on short notice, but it's the only time we've seen him get tired. And it's the only time we've seen him aggressively grapple that much. He's never aggressively grappled that much in any fight that he hasn't finished before. You know, he's aggressively grappled in round one of fights and then finishes the, the fight in two minutes. That's not aggressive grappling, right? That was a sustained grappling pace and he gassed out. So maybe he couldn't just wrestle Josh Emmett from the get-go, right? So I, I, I agree with you there. I think it was an unreal game plan, the best game plan he could have had bar none. And it showed that he stepped up a level in his game because even though I already knew he was quite smart because of the Ryan Hall fight, I think it just showed the whole world that, yes, he can tailor his game plan to whoever he's fighting. He didn't just go in there with the same game plan to just knock your head off, right? But he did end up knocking Josh's Emmett's, Josh Emmett's head off multiple times. He looked amazing, and I definitely think him and Volk is the fight to make right now. I mean, who else are you going to put Ilya up against? 
Like, I, do you think he deserves a title shot right now? Let me know because I do. I mean, who else has he got to beat? Yair Rodriguez just beat Josh Emmett, and now he's getting a title shot. So Josh Emmett is that gatekeeper right there for the title. Taporio just beat him badly. You know, Taporio finished Bryce Mitchell before that, who's a very good fighter. In my opinion, Taporia has done more than enough to get a title shot at this point. And I think he's ready. Who else are you going to get? The only other person you can give him is Max or the winner of Volk and, or, or the loser of Volk and Yair or Arnold Allen. To be honest, him versus Arnold Allen is a very, very good fight. I, I wouldn't mind that fight, but I'm happy for him to go into a title shot right now. Um, but if they made him versus Arnold Allen, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't cry, I wouldn't cry about it, right? Because then that could be a whoever wins that fight goes on to fight Volk. So yeah, I, I wouldn't mind those two fights. Me personally, I just say stick him into the Volk fight now. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a great fight. Everyone's gonna love it. Everyone will be watching it. The odds will be somewhat competitive. More competitive, in my opinion, than they have been in his last fights. I mean, Volk was, I know Max, but Volk's a minus 800 against Korean Zombie. Volk's now a minus 500 against Yaya Rodriguez. If he fights the Poro, Volk's only going to be minus 200. You know what I mean? I mean, I even be minus 175, something like that. It could, could, could get a bet down. So just skill set for skill set in terms of what the, the, the bookmakers and the market believes, in my opinion, everyone would like to see that fight now. It's a close fight. So, yeah. I'm happy for that fight right now. But if they made Arnold Allen, I wouldn't hate it too much. Yeah, so Herb is saying, imagine if Josh Emmett had stuck to the leg kicks. The only thing that was extremely open. But Emmett decides, let me just throw a few and go back to missing punches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to be honest, the dynamic of the fight, I can't remember exactly. I know he was hurting him with the leg kicks. It did seem like he abandoned it. I'd have to re-watch again because when I was watching it, I, I kind of just felt like, Taporio was just dominating so much that Josh Emmett couldn't get any game off, including the leg kicks. You know, I mean, you got to think he was concussed badly in that fight. He was dropped multiple times. It might not have been easy. Fifth round, he kind of picked it up again, but it might not have just been as easy as let me just leg kick him. But I do agree that the leg kicks are definitely open. There was open in that fight. They've been open in other fights. And that's Volkanovski's speciality, leg kicks, you know. So that would be a very interesting dynamic to that fight. But yeah, I mean, that's a great fight, man. We'll speak about that fight, how I think it's going to go in a minute as well. Tristan saying Tapori decision was plus 1,600 on Bet365. That's insane, man. I, I heard someone say it was 10 to 1 to me. So 16, 16 to 1 is insane. Captain Service saying, yeah, Tapori is next in line. If they make the max fight and Tapori loses, we are back to no obvious contenders. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I didn't mention the max fight. You can't give him max. The only one I would say is Arnold Allen. Or maybe the loser of Volk Yair if Volk wants some time off or something, right? But I mean, to me, that doesn't make sense. So yeah, the only other one I would agree with is Arnold Allen. But yeah, man, I, I definitely believe that he should be he, he should be next in line for the title fight. Volk pretty much cleaned the division, so why not give Taporia the next title fight, says Phenom. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. And how do we think that fight will go? First of all, tell me how you think the fight would go and also include your betting line because I'm really interested to see this. In my opinion, you make Volk the favorite. He's very, very hard to grapple. Very low center of gravity. We saw that in the Islam fight. And on the feet, I think it's very close, but I give Volk the striking advantage. I think he's definitely a better striker. I think he's going to out-volume Taporia almost every time they fight. But I know that Volk can be caught on the chin. We've seen him rocked before. We've seen him drop before. By an inside stocky boxer like Chad Mendes. And obviously in the Islam fight, he got wobbled a couple of times as well. But Taporia's style is more closely lined with, or it's more closely based on Chad Mendes' style. And, you know, Chad Mendes put it on him before he got finished. So, I mean, that would be a great fight, man. I definitely think Topori has a chance in that fight to clock him on the chin, to, to finish him, you know, via strikes. And we already know that Topori's headlock, front headlock series, and his whole choke game is very elite. So I could see a situation where he knocks him down and jumps on a choke 
similar to what Brian Ortega did, minus the knockdown. So, I mean, there's definitely chances for Taporia to win that fight. He's, he's, he's also got the grappling upside in that fight. Like, I, I think that if anyone's going to win via grappling, it's probably Taporia. So, I mean, he's definitely got a chance in that fight. For me, I would probably make Volk about minus 175 to minus 200 around that range. Um, I, I'd, I'd lean with minus 175. Just because we have to give respect to the champion, to the fighters he's fought, to the to the free fights against Max Holloway, these things matter in MMA. You know, uh, level of competition, not only level of competition, but being there before. Volkanovski has a lot of experience in five round fights and at the higher level. Taporia hasn't, so it may well be that if they fight next week, Taporia loses. But if they fight in two years, Taporia wins. Or if they fight next week but Taporia had had three fights with Max Holloway then Taporia wins right so these things matter a lot in MMA especially at the upper echelon where everyone is so good and everyone can win on their day other things kind of win you the fight right like experience fight IQ that type of stuff rather than this guy's a better striker he's going to win for that reason oftentimes at the high high level those intangibles can win you the fights. And obviously Volk has all the intangibles on his side, apart from youth and hunger. And again, that's a real thing. How can you cap hunger? You can't cap it. You cannot cap hunger. This is a real thing, right? A lot of people are speaking about Aldana versus Nunes. And I got off on a little rant here, but it's important. There's certain things in MMA that you can't cap, right? So you have to be very careful when you're trying to cap these things in because everyone always tries to predict the downfall of fighters. Oh, this guy's washed now. It's very hard to predict someone being washed unless we have clinical evidence of it in the cage. And if we do, then the betting line already knows about it. The market knows about it. It's already baked into the line nine times out of 10. So if you, like, it's very hard to capitalize on these intangibles and also profit from them. Or it's very hard to identify them and profit on them. You may be able to identify them, but if you can identify them, more than likely everybody else in the market can too. And then you're not getting any value on the line because it's already baked into the price, right? So there's two aspects of it. You have to identify these intangibles like hunger, um, like someone being washed, someone not being motivated, this type of thing. You have to identify it, but then you also have to identify it more than the market has or, 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 or more efficiently than the market has. So, I mean, those things are virtually impossible to cap in MMA. Yes, you might get them right one or two times, but you will get them wrong um, one or two times as well. So it will even out, right? So, yeah, that's just a very hard thing to cap. But Taporia definitely has the hunger probably more than Volk at the moment, right? But we never know, man. Someone like John Jones, he seems like he's had the hunger for 10 years, right? So, I mean, maybe not, though, because he was doing drugs and that like the week before he fight. So it, it's very hard. But, yeah, that's a great fight, man. I, I honestly do think that's an unbelievable fight. So... Yeah, so Captain Service Center, Pori is more skilled than Volk. The cardio dynamic is a bit of a scare if Volk pushes the pace. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. Like, Volk's definitely the better striker than Taporia. That's not debatable. You know, he has much better kicks. Uh, his distance management is a lot better. Um, but Taporia is definitely better in the grappling. You know, he has much greater offensive grappling. I haven't ever seen his defensive grappling, so it's very hard to say. I think he stuffed a shot or two from Bryce Mitchell and maybe one from Zalau. Zalau did reverse him and get on top at one point, though. He was tired, though, as well. Um, but Zalau was reversing him a little bit in, in those situations. But then he always ended up reversing back. So, yeah, I don't know his defensive grappling. I definitely think that they're fairly even in terms of skill sets. But, you know, sometimes Volk is outmatched in terms of skill set. He's just very well-rounded. Like, Volk's not the most skillful fighter but he, he he's just so well-rounded in every single metric you know even the intangibles like cardio durability even he's decent and recoverability that he just, just he's so well-rounded like fight iq is on another level like i mean his game plan and it's probably the best i've ever seen in mma so these type of things just make him you know one of the greatest fighters of all time but in terms of like skills like if they was to roll together if they was to have the kickboxing fight you know, because Taporia definitely has the boxing of an advantage. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's a hard to say. But I think, yeah, they're, they're fairly even in that respect. 
Jake is saying Taporia wouldn't just let him leg kick and point fight from range. He would force a brawl in the pocket where it's his best chance. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I also think he might have some takedown upside. You know, Taporia is a bit of a wild card in terms of what he would do in that fight, in my opinion, because although Taporia wouldn't just let him leg kick him, Volk would make him leg kick him. Do you know what I mean? Volk is such a high level fighter that I don't really think Taporia would be able to out, out maneuver Volk on the feet. If he bit the mouthpiece and threw down, I agree with you. It probably would be his best chance strike. I mean, it definitely would be his best chance striking because if he didn't do that, he's going to get eaten up on the feet. His league leg is going to be chewed and it's going to be a bit of a domination by Volk. So Tapori is not dumb. You are right. He would close range. But it's not just so super easy to close range on Alexander Volkanovsky, right? Because Alexander Volkanovsky has one of the best footworks in the game. So, man, it's a very intriguing puzzle, right? We, we, all we can do is kind of like look at different aspects. Nobody knows actually how a fight would go. Um, but it's such an intriguing fight, especially with how their stylistic skills match up with each other. Anderson saying, Volks wins a decision. I would price him minus 220. Fair enough. Cap, uh, to, Kevin Service saying, Taporia plus 125, around 45%. Could even be higher. Robert Seymour is saying, let's just bet against Bryce Mitchell the rest of his career. He's only lost to Taporia, right, recently. Taporia is one of the best fighters in the world, man. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bryce Mitchell comes out next time and dominates someone and twisters someone. I will say, though, that he retired after that fight, I think, briefly on on, on his mobile phone or something. So, I'm like, on, on his camera phone. So... I don't like betting retirement fighters. And we'll speak about that, actually. I do want to speak about retirement fight. Demir Ismagulov. We're going to get to that. I know someone posted it in the chat. We will get to that. Um, we'll just cap off this Taporia chat because it's super interesting for me, man. I'm enjoying, you know, I ain't done these live streams in a while, but I enjoy these live streams, man. I definitely do. I, I ain't been on, on here in a while. I'm going to make sure I'm going to make a, an actual effort to come on here more and speak about these things because I love MMA at the end of the day and it's interesting to me. Jake saying I will bet Taporia for sure. But Fading Volk is scary. Yeah, man. Fading Volk is scary. Uh, Dilip is saying Volk will bet, beat Ilya's legs just like he did Max in the first fight. Will neutralize Ilya boxing. I mean, he's definitely live, right? Captain service. Tapuri is a better boxer than Volk. Also has the power advantage. Volk could look like the dog in hindsight. It's totally possible. Yeah, I agree. I also think the Volk could dominate and look minus 400. You know, if, if, if his footwork is just too much for Ilya... Um, and if he's just kicking the leg too much, pushing a pace, and Ilya can't really deal with a leg kick, switch stances. I mean, I, I could definitely see that as well. But I definitely also could see that Tapori, uh, Volk just can't keep Taporia off him. And he just gets... And and his chin... His power, the power advantage is just too big. And if he, if, if, he, if he can't... If the footwork doesn't translate in the fight and he can't keep range that well... Taporia probably will look like the favorite. This sun's coming in. Taporia, uh, no, not Taporia. Tom saying, yo, what's up with your Dog Hunter shirt? Yeah, so this shirt <laughs> is a mad shirt. I know that. I made it with the with the designer who made my shirts, right? And when I made it, I was like, damn, that looks a bit crazy, man. But I thought I'd put it out because it's, it's funny. You know, it's a funny shirt. And uh, if you buy it, you better make sure you don't wear that outside in public because probably probably get the police called on you or something like that but why is all this sun coming on me man i'm gonna um close the, sh the blinds in a minute but yeah so basically this is from my new merchandise store there we go. yeah so this is from my new merchandise store which i've just opened up where i'm selling like t-shirts let me bring it up actually if you don't know, I've just opened the merchandise store. You can go and support, buy a T-shirt, buy a mug, something like that. Let me just show the screen. Yeah, so basically, these are like, I've, I've had about 15 designs created with my designer, and I'm basically selling them on all types of products now. So if we go on all products, we can see these designs. And I'm not going to make any money What's happened here? I'm not going to make any money from this. I've already ran the numbers and I'm, I'm likely not going to make any money from this. I might even lose money. Uh, the amount of money it took me to pay for a designer 
to make all of these, the amount of time it took versus how much I make off one T-shirt or one, you know, jumper or whatever it is, it's not a lot. But I just made it because I thought, you know, I thought it'd be a fun thing for the community. There's some inside jokes here, like Juice Boys and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so you got the Juice Boys cap there. Gambling is a real job. So if anybody wants to um, support, you can go to my store. I'll post it in. I'll post the URL in the um, right now. Or you can just go to my Twitter, and that was one of the last posts I did. But this dog hunter T-shirt, let's have a look at it. <laughs> it's this shirt here. Bro, when I was making this, I was laughing, mate. Honestly, I was like, this is crazy. Um, yeah. So as we all know, because we're gamblers, dog hunter means underdog hunter, right? Like you hunt underdogs and you bet on underdogs. But the rest of the world don't know that. So you better not uh, wear this unless you're around other gamblers. But yeah, there's loads of different... There's loads of different styles. I have a black belt and losing money on parlays. Loads of different things. I can't keep calm. I bet on women's MMA. That's another one that might get me cancelled. I might get cancelled from the uh, from from the dog hunter shirt, or I might get cancelled from the I can't keep calm. I bet on women's MMA shirt. So, but if you're a gambler, you already know what that means. So, yeah. So there's just a few things here, a few inside jokes, juice boys, and that. If you want to support, you can go there. Fightinggambling.myspreadshot.com. So shout out to LSV Bet Machine saying, sup, Luca, how's things? Yeah, man, I appreciate you being here, bro. Just came in to say hello and wish you a good week. And you, brother, it's another week where we can make money. So I'm always happy where we can make money. And speaking of making money, we're going to do it on our upcoming card, which is Strickland versus Magomedov. You know what? It's a good card, you know. Like, I'm just looking at the fights now. I'll tell you some fights that I like. I did want to ask a question, actually. First of all, I want to ask a question about last week. So I had a bet on Jack Jenkins at plus 170. Um, I actually took plus 175 myself, tipped plus 170. I want to know, because I didn't watch the fight, right? Obviously, it was a bad, bad robbery. Heard it was a bad robbery. I mean, it's pretty clear. Um, he should have won. Uh, Emma should have won. I want to know if Emma's covered minus 200. Because as I said, I bet plus 170. So Emma's would have been about minus 210, minus 200. Did Emma's covers, cover minus 200 in that fight? Did I make a bad bet on Jack Jenkins? Because I, honestly, I don't care if I win or lose. How many times I've made a great bet and the fight's gone to decision and I've lost? I mean, innumerable amount of times, right? I remember that. I remember I had a plus 500 ticket on Kareem Arias or whoever it was, Kareem Arias, to beat, um, to beat Davion Franklin. It was a plus 400, I think. Maybe plus 350. Plus one of them, 500, 400, 350. And I mean, it was a 50-50 fight. I went to decision and I lost the split decision. So, I mean, this happens all the time. So I honestly don't care whether it wins or loses. I only care about if he covered the line or not, right? So just give me your opinions if you if you watch that fight. I know it was a robbery. You don't have to tell me it was a robbery. We all know that. Did Emma's cover minus 200? Was Jack Jenkins plus 170 a bad bet? That's all I want to know. So Elvis is saying he didn't cover minus 200, but if he wrestled from the get-go, he probably would have. Yeah, that's what I hear a little bit. Anderson's saying Emma's didn't cover minus 200, but Jenkins didn't win. Yeah, we know that. The tide just turned. Uh, he didn't cover minus 200. It was a good bet. All right. That's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing it was a clear robbery, but he didn't cover minus 200. So, I mean, for me, that's good. That's a good sign, right? Like, I'm, I'm happy that I got a plus 170. Um in that spot, but I'll have to rewatch it. But honestly, I'll probably just rewatch it when the next fight, man, there's so much fights to watch. I don't really care about rewatching it too much. Now I'll rewatch it. The next fight LSV is saying, I'll see if I can order any of those from your shop just to support. Not sure. Not sure if I'll be able to pay from my shit. I mean, it does worldwide shipping. So I don't really know what you mean by that. But if you mean by your shit or like the area you live in, then, um, or your country, then it's worldwide shipping, so it should be. But yeah, man, I appreciate that. As I said, I ain't going to make any money off it, but it's just a fun thing to do. Um, Captain Service saying, personally, think all the robbery navigators are way overblown. Close fights aren't robberies. LSV lives in Russia. Damn, bro, I didn't think you... But you're not Russian, right? Is that you on that profile photo, bro? Because you don't look like Russian. To be honest, like a little bit of Kadyrov vibes there. Not in a bad way, but you know, the beard and all that. LSV saying, I don't accept any of the things I can pay with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might be right, you know. Um, Russia's banned from, like, 
You can't send money to Russia. You can't buy Russian products because of the current Russia-Ukraine situation. So any, any, um, if you have like a a Russian store, you can't buy from them. Or if you if you are sending to Russia, or if Russian people are purchasing your products, I don't think they can. It gets shipped out from them if it comes from a UK or EU or a NATO country. It's just uh, madness going on in the world right now. It's Evan Tanner. You're an MMA fan. Oh shit. Yeah, bro. I couldn't see, man. I I'm a bit I'm a bit younger MMA fan, you know what I mean? So it's like I'm more of the um I'm more of the out the, the Aldo Mendez Connor era, you know? It is what it is, man. Jenkins probably 45% in hindsight. Yeah, close fight, slightly favorite. To be honest, bro, I, I, I felt that was about right before. I felt it was close to a 50-50. Maybe you make Emma's minus 120. So I was like minus 220, minus 200 is ridiculous. I did favor Emma's a couple of percent off of 50-50, a couple of percent worse than Pickham, you know. So, yeah, man, I mean, it sounds like I made an okay bet. Call me crazy, but I scored that fight for Jenkins and no bias. I didn't have a bet. Fair enough. But anyway, let's get on to this card. Um yeah, this is a good card, man. Uh, someone spoke about Demir Ismagulov versus Grant Dawson. That's a good fight. So I haven't taped that fight yet. I haven't taped most of this card. I'm a little bit behind this week. Um, but I have taped a few fights, and I'll be doing a lot more as soon as I jump off this. So I'll probably come back maybe tomorrow on YouTube or the day after to break down a lot more of the card. But I just wanted to do like an early, an early breakdown for everybody here. And a little recap, like I said. So Demir Ismagula versus Grant Dawson. That's an unreal fight, isn't it? That's a really, really good fight. I know a lot of people are on Grant Dawson. And I know that Grant Dawson's money line has been getting smashed. I mean, it's almost a pick him now, plus one. Demir might might even flip dog, right? Demir might even flip dog. I remember Demir was 160. Then he was minus 150. And then he was um, minus, minus 140. So, I mean, it's getting smashed down. Demir's a really, really, really quality fighter. And I think he's definitely the more well-scored fighter in this fight. But we have seen Demir struggle a little bit with wrestling. We saw it a little bit in the... um, Obviously, in his last fight against Sarukian. But Sarukian's a beast, man. I will say, though, you can't compare Sarukian to Grant Dawson in terms of the level of wrestling because they wrestle differently, right? But... Grant Dawson is extremely elite in terms of taking the back and just non-stop wrestling, right? He just won't stop. I mean, he'd even go to the wrestling more than Sarukian. Grant Dawson does not stop. And I definitely could see him grinding on Demir here. It's just, it's hard for me to see Demir. I know we saw it in his last fight a little bit, but he, he, he didn't really get dominated in the grappling until late in that fight. And to be honest, I need to go and watch the fight again. But pretty sure from what I remember late in that fight Sarukin was starting to get him down but early Demir was doing pretty well at defending certain takedowns and that's obviously against an elite wrestler like Sarukin so it's hard for me to just see Grant Dawson just backpacking Demir Ismagulov for three rounds I do think that surely Ismagulov is gonna do well at defending multiple takedowns and if so, I, he's just he's just going to do more on the feet. He's just cleaner on the feet. His jab's going to be landing all day. His one-two is really good. He's a really good fighter, Demiris Magulov, man. He's one of the best fighters in the world, honestly. So I don't know, man. I don't know. Like I know a lot of people are on. I know a lot of people are on um, Grant Dawson, but I don't know, man. Like for me, I definitely favor Ismagulov. I think Ismagulov should be about sixty percent right now. Right now, but. I need to do tape, so that's why I don't want to speak too much in depth. LSV is saying that he, he wants to bet the over one uh, over 2.5, see it going the same way. Yeah. I actually had a massive, massive bet on Sarukian versus Ismagulov over 2.5 slash fight goes to decision. I had a lot of money on that bet, and obviously that, that cash there. I mean, that was a smash spot in hindsight. I don't think any fighter gets finished in that fight more than 20% of the time, you know, so should have been line minus 400-ish for me. And it was lined about minus 170, I think, the the GTD. So I was quite happy with that. Around there, it might have been minus 190, but yeah. Um, Daz is saying he bet Dawson already. Ravi is saying, didn't Dawson have trouble wrestling Ricky Glenn? I know the third round he got smashed to bits. 
when he gassed out. And and it's funny because Dawson does gas out a little bit, but in the same token, he's got multiple third round finishes. So he's kind of like Andre Petrowski in the fact that, yes, he does gas out. He, he, he gets a little bit tired, but you see here he finished Mark Madston, round three. He finished Jared Gordon, round three. His last three wins have been round three finishes. It's insane, you know. It, it's absolutely insane. So, but the thing is, I do think he's a, he's a bit of a guesser. He is. Uh, he is a bit of a guesser. Dawson is a bit of a guesser. But how can he be a bit of a guesser when he's got three round three finishes? It, it's kind of crazy, right? But mixed into that, he's got a a, a round three ten eight when he almost where he almost got destroyed by Ricky Glenn. So I think it's one of those ones where. He, he gasses, but he's so good in the grappling and he's usually always got a grappling advantage over his opponents that he can lean back on that grappling even when he's tired. But if he can't lean on the grappling, which I don't think he's going to be able to do against Demetrius Magulov if he gets tired. You know, against Mark Madsen, yeah, Mark Madsen can't stuff a single leg because he's Greco-Roman. He doesn't understand what a single leg is, apparently, right? Jerry Gordon, he kind of just took it. He's so good at taking the back that he just took the back real quickly there and ended up submitting him. Um, and then Leonardo Santos, the guy was even more gassed than Dawson in that fight. You know what I mean? And obviously the guy's like 50 years old at this point. So, but then against Ricky Glenn, he, could, he couldn't, he couldn't take his back and he couldn't wrestle him when he got tired and then he got destroyed. And if Grant Dawson is tired in round three, I think Ismagulov is going to be fine. You know, I think the cardio is definitely there for Ismagulov and I think he's going to be able to defend the takedowns. I don't think he'll, I don't think, the thing is, I just don't think he'll finish I don't think Ismagulov will be able to capitalize on Dawson tiring out as much as Ricky Glenn did because Ismagulov, just, this guy just loves to go to decision, man. I mean, this guy does not know what a finish is. He even went to decision with Joe Alvarez, which is, I mean, Joe Alvarez is kill or be killed, but we'll have a look at Demir Ismagulov's record here. I mean, his last fight decision lost. Gurum, he went to decision. Rafael Alves, he went to decision, which ain't a good look, to be honest, man. And I'm pretty sure Alves won the third round, which ain't a good look because Alves is a bit of a gasser, a bit of a quitter himself. So I don't really, I don't really rate that, you know. And then Thiago Moises' decision, Alvarez' decision, George's. I mean, every single UFC fighter went to decision, every single one. So it's one of those ones where I would like someone that could push a bit, a bit more of a pace on the feet because Dawson does get tired and we would like to see someone like Ismagulov capitalize on that. But even if he doesn't finish him, he still should still be able to win the third round if he doesn't get his back taken right. I like Ismagulov in this spot. Like I said, I think he should be 60%, if not more, but I'll have to do tape to fully consolidate my position in that one. And then I will come back and let everybody know in a breakdown later in the week. So we got... LSV saying, Demir considered retiring after the last fight. Don't really want to bet anything on a guy who does his last contract fight. Yeah, I mean, I agree, yeah. Um, like I said, like I said earlier in the stream, we're going to speak about someone who's retired, who who retired later in the in the stream, and that was Demir Ismagulov. He retired, or he said he retired, and then he came back, you know, about a month later. So as I said at the start of the stream, you cannot cap hunger and you cannot cap motivation it's basically impossible people try to do it all the time they try to act like they're geniuses um you're not a genius you're just lucky because unless you have a close connection with that camp you have no idea we've seen fighters say they want to retire and look career best amanda nunez versus who did she just fight irene aldana she spoke about retirement the whole press conference and then she goes out and dominates has potentially one of her best performances of her career so it's very, very hard to cap motivation. So Demir could come out here re re rejuvenated and look great. Or he could come out here half on retirement, just wants to cash his paycheck, maybe wants to go and do boxing, maybe wants to get signed by another organization for lots of money. So he's just fighting out his last fight on his contract. It's tough to say, right? But all things equal, if Demir Ismagulov is the man who he once was, I do think he wins this fight. And I would personally be looking to bet him in terms of the way I play fights, like my mind is on Demir Ismagulov. If I do tape and I come to the conclusion that Ismagulov is still there, then maybe I will bet him depending on where the line goes. But we'll see, man. Dawson's a tough out for anybody. But Ismagulov's only 32, man. So he's not an old guy at this point. You know, how old is Dawson? 
29, right? So they're, they're very similar in age. Casual MMA is saying black belt in losing parlays is on the way. No line on that shirt. Yeah, so shout out to Casual. He bought a shirt from the merch store. I'm a black belt in losing money on parlays. <laughs> Aren't we all, man? Parlays are very, very tough to beat. They are possible, but they're tough. Captain Service saying, can't really believe the line movement. The mirror is one of the best fighters in the UFC. Yeah. I think, um, obviously, people are seeing that he got grappled in his last fight. People are maybe seeing that Alves reversed him once or twice, um, or at least got up from bottom. And then people are seeing that he retired. And Dawson's 19-1. and one. That's obviously the reason, but yeah. We'll see. Armin saying, uh, sorry, Captain Service saying, Armin Saruk can probably be like minus 900 versus Dawson. LSV saying, what's up? Whenever I go, I see you. Yeah, Daz, Daz is always uh, supporting, man. Shout out to Daz. I appreciate it a lot. Elvis is saying he went life and death with a 40-year-old Leonardo Santos. Yeah, that was tough. Santos is a tough out, though. But yeah, that was a good fight. Phenom, love watching Morales and Bonfim. Yeah, that's a great fight. Daz is saying that's why I bet Dawson Ismet has less heart than Dawson and he's already retired. I call it rising star versus falling star. It's one of those ones where who's the more of a dog? I would probably say Dawson, man. I think Dawson has more of a dog in him. If it's neck and neck, a 50-50 fight, I would say Dawson is going to do more to pull it out of the bag. Although I think Ismagulov has better cardio. So that even evens it up a little bit more. It's pretty crazy, man, because... But, yeah, I, I do agree that I'm saying he has less heart, but I do think Dawson has more of a grinding-type fight and, and he would push on the gas a little bit more, kind of like how we saw Stephen Ersig versus David Dvorak-type fight, right? 50-50 fight, but Ersig's just more of a dog, and that's literally what won him the fight. And I feel like, I mean, that could be, that could rear its head again in this fight. Zach Johnson saying, look what he did to Gurum's face. To be honest, I thought he could have lost that fight. So, But that's neither here or there. It was a um, split decision. It is what it is. Shout out to Gurum because he's fighting on this fight too. Uh, fighting on this card too. So I guess we should probably speak... Well, oh, this is the other card. I guess we should probably speak about the main event before I cut out here. I'm going to jump off after this, but I will speak about the main event quickly. So this is a hard fight for me because I know Abbas has taken a big step up in competition, especially in the UFC. But I think he's got some really, really good tools. Really, really good tools. Um, and Captain Service saying, you want my take on B uh, St. Denis? I ain't done that fight yet. I'll touch on it a little bit. Um, yeah, so Magomedov versus Strickland. This is obviously a great fight. They're trying to fast-track Magomedov. I don't think it's because they see him as one of the best fighters in the UFC, a great prospect. I just believe that they want more blood for the middleweight division, you know, especially since Izzy has fought almost everyone, beat almost everyone, beat a lot of people twice. They need some new blood, and Magomedov is definitely going to be that if he wins against Sean Strickland. You know, we've seen Alex Pereira fight Sean Strickland and then get a title shot straight away. We saw Nasadin Amarov fight Sean Strickland. I would assume that they would have gave him a title shot if he beat him. So Sean Strickland, kind of like that that fighter who, if you fight him and you beat him, you're basically right there for a title shot. Sean Strickland's a very, very good fighter. I think sometimes he's underappreciated, maybe because of his big mouth and how he talks. Maybe also because of his basic style with the one-two jab. You know, he's in front of your face. But what Sean does really well is pressure and his boxing is very clean, very precise very sharp, and yeah, I just feel like he's a bit underappreciated in MMA because he doesn't throw fancy kicks or he doesn't have a lot of finishes. You know, these type of things often get you underrated by the bookmakers and, and the market and just by the MMA population in general, the MMA fans. But in this fight, I think um, I think it's a close fight because I give Abbas some advantages early. I think he, I think for once in a long time, Sean is going to have to deal with some grappling. If Abbas goes there, but he doesn't always do it, that Sean hasn't really faced in a while. I mean, let's go back and look at his recent fights. I mean, they're all against strikers apart from maybe Alan. Let's have a look. So this is Sean's. So we've got Nasadina Marvov, who's a striker. That's his last fight. We've got Jared Cannonier, who's a striker. That's his fight before. The fight before that was Alex Pereira, who's a striker. The fight before that is Jack Comanson, who's 
kind of just an MMA fighter. He's got very good top control, but he's got very bad takedowns. So he just wasn't able to do anything against Jack Manson. Um, or Jack Manson wasn't able to do anything against Sean Strickland. It was a split decision, but that was a terrible scorecard. Sean easily won that fight. So not necessarily a striker, but I mean, for all intents and purposes, kind of a striker. Then he fought Uriah Hall, striker. Jocko, again, he's similar to Jack Manson, kind of all-round type fighter. Brendan Allen. I would say Brendan Allen is the only fighter in the last, since he came back from that accident he had. You know, in his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In his last eight fights, I would say the only credible grappling threat that he's really faced is Brendan Allen. You could say Hermanson, but I just don't rate Hermanson's takedowns at all. So really, it's only Brendan Allen. And yeah, he pieced up Brendan Allen in that fight, but Brendan Allen didn't really shoot many takedowns. And he's not a great takedown artist either. He's more of an opportunistic submission guy. So this is the first time since probably since Kamaru Usman that this that Sean Strickland is going to fight a grappler who is a credible grappler, right? And that's not to say Abbas will go there because he doesn't always go to his grappling. But I do think that's something to take note of in this fight, right? That Sean is maybe having a completely different stylistic matchup to what he's used to. He's not fighting a power puncher like Cannonier or Pereira anymore. He's not fighting a striker like Uriah Hall or Marvov anymore. He's fighting a well-rounded MMA fighter who can do it all, but who is a very good grappler as well. So, you know, that'd be interesting to see. But Sean is very good takedown defense. I'm not just instantly certain that Sean would be taken down by this dude because the guy has great takedown defense, man. And that's a fact. He, he, he very does. He, he, he does have very good takedown defense. On the feet, I think if it goes late, Sean's if Sean hasn't been finished, Sean's pressure is going to start to pile up. You know, it's very rare Sean is just getting dominated from pillar to post. Either Sean will get stopped or it's going to be a really close fight, especially later in the fight, especially a five-round fight. Sean's style is kind of built on five rounds because he definitely builds from the, from the middle rounds up. I mean, he definitely starts decently well as well it depends on if you can negate his range negate his pace and pressure but i do think that abbas has some stylistic advantages in this fight just the wrestling that maybe sean hasn't faced before he's very tall as well abbas is a big guy um just like sean you know sean is 6'1 with a 76 inch reach um abbas is 6'2 with a 78 inch reach so he's taller here he's the bigger guy and yeah it's it's, going to be interesting because i do think that abbas poses some finishing threat on the feet and on the ground and the grappling threat that maybe Sean hasn't had to have to deal with in a while. So there's a, it's, it's an interesting fight. Obviously, Sean is a lot more experienced in the UFC, a lot more experienced in five-round fights. And Abbas hasn't been out of the third round, I think, maybe ever. Or if he has, it was a long, long time ago. Let me have a look. Even he didn't go into a third round in a while, I think. Yeah, so he's never been out of round. He's never, yeah, he's never been out of round three, ever. So, you know. The last time he went to round three was a long time ago. You took him five years ago, and that was against Sadabuse. And he just took him down a lot in that fight. And Sadibuse wasn't good at defending grappling at that point, but now he's a fully well-rounded fighter. I mean, if they fight now, I, I might even take Sadibu for that one. You know, Sadibu's a very good fighter, Sadibu Sanya. So, look, it's a good fight. Obviously, I understand why Sean is um, favoured here. I do think Abbas has some stylistic advantages that could help him win the fight. But for me, I, haven't have, I don't have a massive decision yet. I'm going to... Um, Tape it more because I've done a little bit of tape. I'm going to tape it more and uh, come up with my prediction. So, yeah, just to touch on before I jump out, I'm going to touch on the Benoit Saint Denis question that came from Captain Service. So, I do not have an opinion because I haven't taped this yet. Um, ben Benoit Saint Denis is one of these guys that he's definitely very tough, but he may just be outmatched in this fight. I know Bompton's a very good fighter. I definitely favor Bompton on the feet. Maybe he could go to the grappling. I need to tape Ismail's takedown defense and overall grappling defensiveness because I would say that that's probably going to be the path for Saint Denis. I don't really see a, a, a striking path for him here. So that would be my opinion, first of all. I will say, though, that both guys are very tough and I don't mind the over. Um, 
Fight goes to decision is a big number, and over two and a half is a, a big number. You know, all the overs are big numbers. And for two guys who are fairly tough, in my opinion, one guy who's extremely tough, we already know that. We know that Benoit Saint-Denis is extremely tough. I definitely could see this fight going later. So I think that would be a, definitely an angle that I would want to target. Uh, but like I said, I'll do some more tape on this. And I actually will come back either tomorrow or the day after um, and break down that fight in full after I've done tape. So, yeah. We'll see, man. I definitely rate the Bonfin brothers, but it, I mean, minus 330 is tough, right? LSV is saying, haven't done any tape yet, but I'm super tempted to Beck Strickland. Now Sadibu is the GOAT. Yeah, he is. Captain Server saying, Benoit Saint-Denis is going to look huge in there. LSV saying, Bonfin has some real hype because of his finish. Think it inflates his odds massively, same as peak last weekend. Yeah, it happens all the time. And that's one of the best angles in MMA, line over corrections, right? Recency bias. Anytime fighters have a big, big finish, there's big recency bias in their next fight. Um, the DXJ is saying, Compar comparing Ismail Bonfim and Trevor Peak is blasphemy. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely not the same fighter, but in terms of, in terms of the recency bias, I mean, it's right there, right? Trevor Peak got a big knockout and um, he was minus 170 against Mariscore at one point. I didn't watch the fight, but apparently he looked plus 170 or worse, right? So... The line over correction always happens. Cabin is saying, yeah, I agree. I honestly think BSD has a really good chance to look like the favorite. Well, that that that's a big shot at plus 250, man. So, yeah, I'll definitely dig into tape on that one. And when I do my breakdown for Abbas Magomedov or another breakdown on YouTube tomorrow or the next day, I'll make sure I do that one and I include that one. Who's better at, as an underdog, Max or Lee? So you're saying Kevin Lee or Max Griffin? Probably Kevin Lee because I just see Michael Morales knocking Max Griffin out. But we'll see. So that's it, guys. Not much more to say. I will be back tomorrow or the next day. And as I said, I'm going to be a lot more... I'm going to be doing a lot more content on YouTube. So if you haven't already, make sure you hit the likes. If you've made it this far, just hit the likes. It only takes a second. What that does is help me with the YouTube algorithm, make the show more popular. If the show is more popular... I'm going to want to do more videos because we get more likes, more engagement, more clicks, more views, all of that stuff. So I'll be more inclined to do videos. But shout out to everyone who's been here so far. I appreciate everyone. I've enjoyed doing this and I'll be back shortly. Good luck betting this weekend, but I'll see you soon before we, before we watch the fights.